Hey, everybody. This is Frankie from the Breakpoint Podcast. We want to thank you all for tuning in to Marcus and I discussing our love and passion for the game of tennis. Your engagement and support goes a long way to helping this podcast continue to grow. Please be sure to give us a follow, rate our podcast on our social channels, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, or any other place that you get your podcasts. And on social media, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast 7, Twitter at Breakpoint Pod 7, LinkedIn, and of course, our website, podpage.com forward slash break dash point dash podcast. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so you're the first to know when there's a new episode drop and more people like you can find our podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Frankie, and my co-host, Marcus Smith. And on today's episode of your favorite tennis podcast in the land, we are going to be wrapping up a little bit of the clay run-up here that we had with Barcelona, uh, Munich, or no, yeah, no, Munich, I'm right, and uh, the Bosnian city that I cannot possibly pronounce the name of. Banja Luka, let's go with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I... I apologize in advance for even not even attempting there, but great tournament. That was actually kind of the best tournament of the week. I'm not going to lie to you, Uh, but Marcus, tell us a little bit more about what happened down in Bosnia. Yeah, we saw an upset that obviously you and I did not see coming. Uh, um, It was Dusan Lajevic from Serbia. What do you got? In fairness, no one saw that coming. Yeah, nobody saw it coming. Um, and nobody saw it coming. That means the Breakpoint Podcast really didn't see it coming. So uh, he takes out Djokovic straight sets, seven six six four. Pretty significant outcome there. And then usually when that kind of happens with the guys, they tend to maybe fall off the next match just because they're coming up from that high and just kind of dropping. But this guy pulled through and won the tournament. It was sick. He beat Rublev in the final. I mean, he had a legitimately great tournament, had a brutal three-setter with Kesmanovic in the semifinals. I mean, shout out to Dusan Lajevic. Nobody predicted this one. Um, Frankie, this is going to be a massive topic of discussion, and we might as well just do it now because this is top of mind. Novak Djokovic, we've got some concerns here at the pod. Talk us through what's going on and what the concerns are. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of like, what was it, two or three years ago? It was like post-pandemic, but I can't remember whether it was 2020 or not. If it was post, uh, what was the name of his failed tournament? Do you remember? Aria Tour or something like that? Oh, oh, the the one where they all spread COVID to each other? Yeah, the one where he basically had a super <laughs> spreader event in the Balkans. Right, they were partying shirtless, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, they all got COVID. How how come? Yeah. And Novak really wonders why he's villain number one, huh? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it just, yeah, I mean, it reminds me of a few years ago when Novak was like first attempting to like come back after taking some time off. And he was just losing left and right. Like Marcus, you brought up, like he lost in the first round of the Belgrade Open, I believe that year also. And he bowed out in a few of the first rounds of the clay season as well. I think Novak just kind of needs to get warmed up a little bit when it comes to the clay, more so than others, especially at his age, truthfully. And as Marcus is slapping his elbow right now, there are some pretty big rumors that are legit enough that we can talk about it, that Novak's elbow is no bueno. 
And as we've mentioned on this podcast, the elbow might be the worst or second worst tennis injury that you could possibly have, the wrist being number one. And that is really a red flag for me personally when it comes to Novak. I always thought that he would struggle a little bit with the clay just because, as we mentioned last week and I mentioned at the start of the year, clay just has so many different players that are capable of winning tournaments like Dusan Lajevic out of nowhere. But at the same token, I will just say this. Three out of five is a different ball game when it comes to Roland Garros. So I don't know if he'll be like in a situation where he's going to lose in like the second or third round of Roland Garros, for example. The guy is still number one, still the number one player in the world. So he's going to have a good like matchup going through relatively, you know, even for the first two rounds. And I feel like once he gets warmed up in a three out of five setting, he'll be just fine. Do I think that he'll win Roland Garros? As I mentioned in the beginning of the season, no, but I don't think that he's going to be going anywhere anytime soon. Like my, I'm not like raising the Novak is doomed banner or like whatever it is that we've done for Nadal. Really? Um, I don't think it's that bad, but at the same time, there's definitely like causes for concern. Does that make sense? My, yes, it does. Um, my main cause for concern with Novak is this is his first tournament in a long time. And the very first one he's in, he loses and there's rumors of his elbow being not, not good. He forcing him to pull out of a masters, which he does not want to do. He would rather go play the masters and probably play Banja Luka, obviously. Another reason why I'm concerned is that this is the same elbow that he had surgery on in 2017. That's where I'm getting a little bit. Uh, I don't know what's going on. You haven't, you haven't, we haven't seen you in a playing a tournament in three months. Now all of a sudden we've got an elbow issue. Like what's been going on in the meantime? You're missing one of the masters, and you're about to go on to Roland Garros, where you got to play three out of five. Where for our listeners who don't know, Clay is a lot more of a physical Grand Slam, so there's a lot more longer rallies, longer matches, more balls being hit. I don't know how great how great that is for the elbow. So like Fra- Frankie, do you see my concern about how like that's that that part of it is more than more than usual concerning? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think that Novak and it's a good point that you bring up, right? Is Novak's elbow going to be the same as Rafa's foot? Right? That's really what this comes down to is like are we starting to head down that path of quote-unquote, father time is undefeated, right? Or are we hitting down cocaine Novak? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, no comment to that. But um, my other thing with Clay, and this is another reason why I just don't really think this is going to be his surface going forward. And again, quote-unquote, it's his worst surface. Like, wild statement but it is it only is him like, and robin soderling could ever beat the man beat rafa at roland garros but it's his worst it, surface yeah like whatever um no i th- I think that like the thing for novak on this surface is the serve novak has done a very good job over the past few years of adjusting his game to get free points off the serve and shorten rallies and really you know do a good job of 
like load management, so to say, in the tennis concept of load management. And Clay, as Marcus just mentioned, it is really hard to do any load management. You kind of just have to go all out every point. There's just not going to be the speed element that you're going to get from a grass or a ha- or a faster hard court that's going to allow you to get those quick freezy, quick and easy free points, right? Like that's why we've seen somebody like, you know, a Federer, like Goran Ivanisevic, all these guys that won titles later on in their career. It's happening on grass. It's not really happening on clay. Rafa is the exception to that because he's just a freak. But and and also like for the larger discussion that we'll have one day when all of these guys are retired, that's actually like a very big selling point for Rafa is that on the most like grueling and difficult surface by most people's metric, he has dominated, no doubt about it. But at the same time, I I believe that we're beginning to see the first signs of Novak's version of the load management of his career now, right? Whether it's like Rafa not really playing a ton of the North American heart or hard courts in general anymore, and really kind of just focusing on the majors and that's it, like one tournament before and then the major. And what Roger did where he was just like, yeah, I'm going to like just get win until the round of 16 and then see ya. I think we're going to start to see that with Novak. I, time has to start catching up to these guys, and Novak cannot be the exception. There is no exception. I mean, maybe he drinks some dirty water and then it, you know, purifies his elbow. Are you saying that Novak has a questionable medical history and could be seeking some non-Western advanced medical advice? Question mark. No, I'm just saying that we should listen to him more <laughs> that's true i'm gonna go lick crochet on park's pond or something now because don't hey, worry my body will purify it that's right old jokes aside um the, again the main the main concern for me and and it's just that we, it's like what what has happened in the last two months where you haven't played a tournament where all of a sudden this is becoming a problem like was this result like was this is this been around and now it's starting to just rear its ugly head is this something you developed um, while you were getting swole in the last couple of months, or maybe you were doing some sort of training that kind of irked it. I don't know what's going on, but either way, we're a little bit concerned about Novak. Um, let's talk about Munich here, Frankie. We did not expect the final at all in Munich to happen. Uh, we had Holger Runa, who we thought was you know a top three contender there, playing against Botich van der Schulp. Uh, which is apparently Frankie's favorite player, as I found out before this Stop podcast. Stop disrespecting my boy. Uh, okay, see, your boy. I love him. I think he's great. I, he like sneakily has a ton of really good results. You'd be surprised. He's like he's a legit player. No, I think he's a legit baller. Should Taylor Fritz have gotten to the final of this tournament? Absolutely, he should have. Mm-hmm. But um, and Botek should have won it, to be honest with you. But shout out to Holgerun again. He's a guy that I have like underestimated in the past and i've like thrown my hands up and said i was wrong i will say i was wrong again awesome job mentally really crunching that match out because 
he was against, you know, forget a wall. I don't even know. He was against like the United States Mexico border. Like <laughs> he was down like three match points, whatever it is. Sanchez has like a massive serve and the guy finds a way out. You got to respect it. He's done it. No, he, he, I'm serious. Like Holger Rune at 19 years old to be like that mentally tough to come back from that is like very, I don't even know, like young Novak, like with how he like sort of handles some of this stuff where you're just like, man, I kind of dislike this guy, but it's really impressive. Uh, so he, he, he's got like that sort of like element to him. Uh, so well done to Holger. He gets that win. Uh, Botek gets, uh, you know, finals of a 250, which is of a loaded 250, I might add. So good, pretty good result for him. But yeah, I mean, Holger Rune, got to give it to him. Yeah, he's kind of got that like me against the world type attitude, which is kind of what you're talking about with Novak. And that's pretty dope to see, um, considering that he is 19. I'm starting to like the consistency I'm seeing too. Finals of Monte Carlo, winning back-to-back title winner in Munich, by the way. Going to Madrid now with with pretty good draw there. Um, so I'm liking what I'm seeing from him. Disappointed from Sfera of this tournament. Just wanted to shout that really quick. Lost to Chris O'Connell. Don't think that should have happened. Maybe he just had a bad week. On his but... birthday. Maybe he was hungover from the night before. Ooh, goddamn. Sofia Tamala's got to keep his mans in check, all right? German German listeners will, will know what I'm talking about. But um, but yeah, he he. I want to see what he does the next two weeks. This is going to be very, very key. And Yeah, I'm yeah. with you. I think, I think that Zverev... This obviously that was very just dis- he got like whipped too. That was not a close match, but uh, I agree. But I, I you know, well, well, Holger Rune deserves his own episode, so I won't like go too deep into it. But my like general thoughts on him are that I think myself and you included have very clearly defined the future as Sinner versus Alcaraz, and even the tour itself has definitely sold that narrative in the hopes that they are the next like Fed Nadal, whatever it may be. And maybe Rune has a lot more in common with Djokovic than we think, because he is certainly like the forgotten one of the younger guys between Sinner and Alcaraz. And he's just as young as Alcaraz. He's younger than Sinner is. And he's kind of putting up even better results than Sinner is. We just don't like the way that we just don't like the way that he plays. He's not marketable. Like he's not marketable. Yeah, he's very not likable, to be perfectly honest with you. He just doesn't look like a nice kid. You know what I mean? He looks like one of those kids that like steals your lunch. And no, it's like super brat. It's what he is. It's like super brat. Yeah. Uh, So I, I think that is sort of the conundrum that he finds himself in. And like, I think that he would not be successful if he didn't have that me against the world attitude, the like I am overlooked, but I am just as good as those two attitude that he has. And he is using it to his advantage so, so, so well. But there will come a point where that is going to run out and he's going to have to adjust. But that's years down the future. Long way to go. I think he's doing a really, really good job now. He's developed his game really nicely. And I appreciate how much of a tactician he is out there because he is a very big deep thinker on the tour yeah for sure i love his game and he's adapting you can see him get better every week um last tournament we want to chat about here barcelona uh the return of king carlos just the guy's so brutal had like a arthritis in his left hand hip hurts he's like all right whatever i'm gonna bust all your asses he comes back absolutely kicks sitsipas's ass this morning um a little bit of a disappointing 
tournament in the terms of we really wanted to see that Sinner Musetti quarterfinal matchup. Unfortunately, Sinner did have to pull out and has pulled out of Madrid as well. Uh, Frankie, do you actually have an update on what's going on there? I don't, but my guess is it is preventative because he's really focused on playing Rome. Obviously, yeah, all of the Italian guys want it. Like Rome, Rome is probably the second most important tournament to him. Mm-hmm. So my guess is. I'd rather not play Madrid, which doesn't really play like Roland Garros anyway. I'd rather just focus on Rome, which is going to be the perfect warm-up for Roland Garros anyway. Uh, but very quickly on Barcelona, yeah, 100%. Carlos dominated start to finish, looked like himself, really well done. I mean, there was just one of those points where like Sitsipas gave kind of a crappy return up the middle, and Carlos just blasted a forehand by him, and Sitsipas didn't know what to do about it. And I was like, yep. Carlos, in the words of Marcus Smith, good at tennis. So he's doing just fine. If the guy is healthy, he is the best player in the world, bar none at this point. And yeah, I mean, you just hope that the guy stays healthy is all. That's really all it is. It's it's him, him versus his health. That's it. So, you know, well done to Carlos. Happy to see him. Sitsipas got owned. I mean, that's a terrible matchup for him now. He's lost the last few times against Carlos and hasn't even been close. And as I've mentioned before, Zverev, Sitsipas, uh, I don't even know who the others I brought up last time. You are all just like in the pit of irrelevancy versus this kid. He is so much better. You're all screwed. You are all screwed. He's so much better than all of them. He just is so much better than all of them. And it's not even a question or doubt in my mind. Like Zverev, when he gets healthy, there's something there because that's kind of a bad matchup for Carlos because of how good his backhand is. And that's the same reason why Sinner is a decent matchup against Alcaraz. Sitsipas is going to get whipped every time because that's a good matchup for Carlos and he is not nearly as good of a player. I mean, drop the mic. Yeah, I mean, you're right on. So Yes. You know question i had for you that we spoke about last week that i would love for you to illuminate for the listeners is i want you to talk about the difference between madrid clay and roland garros clay because they play very differently and i think we talk about the difference between an indian wells hardcourt and a u.s open hardcourt all the time and that's like a very well-known thing in tennis but no one really talks about how different Madrid plays versus the rest of the clay swing generally. Yes. So the, the clay itself, I'm not going to say is too much different. It is a little bit quicker. Um, It's a little bit, it might be made of a different material. You can tell when you're watching Roland Garros and like Rome, it's like kind of more powdery. So in Madrid, it's not as powdery. It's a little bit more solid, which does make a little bit of a quicker playing surface. The biggest thing in Madrid is that there's a little bit of altitude, Um, not significant enough to the point where they have to use high altitude tennis balls like we do here in in Denver, Colorado. But um, coming from, you know, I know how altitude plays. I've played in it here and in Madrid, the altitude is about 2,156 feet, which is about 800 meters for our European slash international listeners. That makes a huge difference on play. That ball is going to fly a ton more than they're used to uh, because most of the tournaments in the world are at sea level with the exception of maybe Kitzbühel in Austria. 
That one's also at about maybe two, two and a half thousand feet uh, above sea level. So the ball is going to fly a lot more. Um, it's going to cause increased errors because the ball is going longer. Players will tend to string their rackets tighter. Um, drop shots and lobs will not be as effective. The ball will fly a little bit more. And also the fitness will be tested a little bit. Again, it's not that crazy of a difference um, like you would be here you know, for that like 5,000 feet or something, but um, it does make a difference. So they're going to be a little bit more gas. This is also why Frankie, like Frankie's mentioned before, this is why Rafa's, this is Rafa's worst clay masters because of this, because that ball is so jumpy and it's not slow enough for him. And guys like, I mean, Federer's beaten him at Madrid. So he, Federer obviously prefers a quicker surface against Rafa. Um, Djokovic just had, yeah, Novak has had multiple wins over Rafa at Madrid. Um, so this is Zverev's another one very successful in Madrid. Zverev's very successful in Madrid because he plays a huge game, just cracks the ball. So that's the lowdown on the on the difference between Madrid clay and the altitude there versus the the other tournaments. Yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty good explanation there uh, for the listeners. But yeah, it's Madrid. Madrid is like its own little world in terms of how it it, it plays. Like, and also while Marcus was. Uh, discussing that i did look up the yannick center news uh he actually never planned to play madrid from the beginning of the season he yeah he made this decision like a month or two ago once mm-hmm. he started getting to the after the sunshine double when he saw how far along he got he realized that it was just too it could be too many matches too soon and he really wanted to focus on rome and roland garros so he's pulling a quiet leonard yeah no this is total load management okay that's correct Cool. Yeah. Um. Which, fair enough. I mean, he's had like a longer clay season, uh, like a longer hardcore season so far. So, you know, you know, I get it. He wants to make sure that he's at his hometown, like his home country sort of big tournament. It's understandable. Makes sense. Uh, anyway, so let's talk about Madrid now. Uh, We don't have a ton of time here, but I think we can sort of breeze through this because unfortunately Novak is out and Yannick Sinner is out, who are two people that I think would be in our top five, probably. And Rafa. And Rafa. So that's three of the top five players that we'd probably pick for this that are out. (laughs) So that doesn't leave us a ton of room here. Um, But I think we're both in agreement that Dusan Lajovic is definitely the favorite to win Madrid. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just had Christ. to i was just goading the reaction there no but Bodich? but seriously who Bodich? oh your, come on don't stop disrespecting him I'm, anyway you got, you're not hyping your boy up <laughs> i thought he was the <laughs> i thought he was the top five player let's go uh, relax i never said that that is not a quotable uh not a quotable one there but i think i mean obviously carlos has got to be the runaway favorite to win this thing I mean, his game is pretty good on a faster side, on the faster court anyway. And then you add the movement benefits he gets from being on a clay court. It's going to be really, really tough to beat him. And that's kind of why he was able to beat Zverev, Novak, and Rafa all in a row last year at 18 years old. In Madrid, Spain, yeah. I think that uh, this might be a good surface for him. So I think we're going to pick I think we're both going to say that it's Carlos in a runaway here. So in order to spare the prediction details that we usually do, who are some other players that you think could find success at this tournament? I think, believe it or not, 
I think this one actually suits Medvedev more than a normal clay court would. I think because of the increased speed gives him a little bit more depth and also cut on his flatter balls when they're coming in. Um, it's not going to be slowed down as much like a, like normal clay courts do. You know what I mean? Um, so I think I, I don't think he's going to make it, f- you know, I'm going to eat my words just like we did last time. I don't think he's going to make the final or anything, but I think he'll have a pretty solid tournament. I think this is like one of the better clay court ones for him. I think Rome, he's not going to do well at all. I think Madrid is good for him. Um, Zverev has done exceptionally well at Madrid. He's won it before. We cannot count him out. I know he just had a bad match against Chris O'Connell in Munich. He was probably hung over. I know how it is in Munich. They have Augustina, Kimze, you know, like the, the beer list is incredible. Bad, so, bad draw for him, though. Bad draw. Oh, yeah? Who do we got against him? He's got, he's in Carlos's, like, uh, what is he going to face Carlos in the round of 16, I think? Yeah, no, he's done. <laughs> I take everything I just said back. Yeah, I mean, honestly, even somebody like Seb Corda could give him some trouble at Madrid. If Corda's got his serve going, that's a tough matchup for him. Like, Thank I'll you. take, I'll take Zverev. But I'm just saying, like, Corda's a pretty good player. Thoughts on the Rude, Musetti, Horkash, Rune quarter? Uh, Yeah, that is the most interesting quarter, for sure. Musetti's been balling, man. you got to give it to him. Musetti's been balling. But PCB, is a, PCB is a tough matchup. Thoughts Ugh. on Musetti in Madrid? Um, I don't think it like necessarily suits him. Mm, I don't I, think so either. I think it suits Hercash more. I think Hercash is the player that I would maybe say is the most likely to get is the most likely to upset Runa. But I'm gonna pick with I'm gonna go for for Runa to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I I think Runa probably gets through there. Uh, I think he's the best player in this quarter. Definitely not Casper. I can tell you that. Nope. Um, yeah, I mean, I would go Runa first, Hercash probably second, PCB third, Musetti fourth. That would be my like most likely rankings there. However, the person that I feel could have an upset and could make a nice little run here is Karen Kachanov who with that big serve, pretty topspin heavy, comfortable enough on clay, I think could make like a decent run. I Like, do I think that he'll be able to beat Carlos? No. But do I Does think he that he could... Rublev? I think he could beat Rublev on this surface. Yeah, I think I think that's like possible. I don't know if I'd favor him, but because Rublev's been playing pretty well. But for sure, I think he'd be in the match on a faster clay court. Why not? I respect it. Uh, last question I got kind of for you here. So the bottom half of the draw is pretty well. Your boy Bodich wide is, open. Your, wide your, open. Your boy Bodich. Honestly, honestly, Bodich might be able to make the quarters or semis here. Not even I'm, a lot. I'm if it's Botek versus Medvedev, give me give me Van de Sandloop. Oh my! I okay. Quote it. <laughs> oh, you're in for this one. Give me uh, Botek, baby. How about Botek against Fritz if it goes that far? I mean, Botek just beat him. <laughs> he, he just beat him. So you're going like, to pick it again? 
I mean, do it again, baby. I'm in a great mood. The Knicks just won two home games. Let's I go, was baby. at Friday night's game, by the way. It was Ooh. off the chain. Uh, go Knicks. Orange and blue skies, baby. That's right. And I mean, I'm just, I'm on cloud nine. I am euphoric. So you know what? Let's go. Botech. Get him through. Bowditch is is making it. Um, Frank, FAA is back this tournament. Don't yeah, he's losing. He's losing to Shelton. <laughs> no, you know who he's losing to? Dusan Lajevic. Yeah, I didn't want to be that disrespectful, but give me Shelton. Disrespectful. Dusan Lajevic just beat Djokovic and Rublev. <laughs> True. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. I. I. I you know what? I, I'm going to eat my words on that because this is actually a tournament that he should do well at with his serve. Faster courts. Yeah. But I kind of like Shelton. I feel like Shelton's had like a lot of really unlucky draws at some of these clay court tournaments and he's played really well at a couple of them. So I I would kind of, I don't know why I'm feeling Shelton there. Shelton, it, Shelton against Sonigo. Uh, Sonigo is so, cra- that's the thing. Sonigo is like such a crafty player. Like he's going to just throw. So it's like, it's like, um, who did we pick Fognini to beat? Uh, like I a few months ago. to be chilled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you were just like, yeah, it's crafty. And I was just like, I don't know if it's crafty enough to beat him on like a hard court. No, um, that was a bad pick. Yeah, that was a, that was a horror show, but that's fine. Somebody actually, all right, returning back to earth and stopping the nonsense. Tommy Paul should do well here. Correct. Like Tommy like, Paul, if he gets to play Sitsi Pass, who are you taking? I'm taking Sitsi Pass, but I don't even know if he's going to make it that far. First of all, Nicholas Jari, wow. really, really good on clay. Tall Chilean dude. Sick who, player, by the way. I saw him live at the Open. There you go. Sick player. Big serve. This altitude is going to support him. And then if he even makes it, I think Dan Evans is also super good and playing really Wild good take. Right now. Wild take. Yeah. Dan no. Evans just had a great tournament. I, not on. Uh, all right, I'll let you have it. Carry Ooh. on. I mean, we're, I mean, we're gonna find out. So we'll find out in a couple of days. But uh, I don't know. I don't. I'm not really feeling Tommy for this one. Yeah, I disagree. I think Tommy should have a good tournament. I think he'll be okay. Uh, although I agree with you that that Jerry match is a very scary one because he's a he's a he's a baller. He's a good. Jerry player. is scary. <laughs> Jerry is scary. Hell yeah. Okay, you actually asked me about it earlier. But I'm gonna ask you about it instead. We got to talk about Dominic Team. He looks really good again. He looks pretty decent again. If he gets through that first round match, are we gonna call an upset alert on our boy Stefano Sitsipas or what? Not yet. I'm not there yet. Uh, I, I think he still needs a little bit more. T- it's slowly getting better, but I don't think he's ready for that. You know what it is? I don't think he's ready to do it immediately. I think he would need another couple of rounds to get warm and to get used to the surface and play himself in because he's the type of guy who needs a lot of like ball striking and a lot of like good form in order to start playing well. He's a rhythm guy. He practiced all his life, like twice as much as other guys have. He's not a guy who can just kind of come in and play well immediately. He needs, he needs reps. 
Yeah, I... So, even when healthy, looking at the head-to-heads, Sitsipas seems to do better against him on clay. So, the last time that they played, they've played twice on clay, and they're one for one. One, uh, yeah, one and one. So, at 2018, Roland Garros, team beat him uh, 6-2, 2-6, 6-4, 6-4. But a few weeks earlier at at uh, Barcelona, Sitsipas beat team 6-3, 6-2. And that was in 2018. Sitsipas has definitely gotten a lot better since 2018. And I would argue that team has gotten worse. So I kind of think I, I'm not saying that as if like it's his fault. It's just the injury. No, I know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, you know, it's nothing against Dominic. I'm happy that he's doing better. But, you know, let's be a real, little realistic. I think I'm going to I think Sitsipas does ultimately get through that. But I am happy that we can at least have this conversation about Dominic. Let's just say that because he was an afterthought for most of this season. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he did get a wild card, so his ranking's not quite there yet, but I'm hoping he, I'm hoping he has a good tournament and I'm hoping he does well for the rest of the clay season because I don't really see him do anything on grass, so that's going to be a while until he can get some points. I agree. Um, actually, it's a good trivia question for you. What is Dominic Team's ranking right now? I'm gonna say, how close can I can I be plus minus ten? I'll give you plus or minus ten, sure. Okay, uh, I'm gonna say he's about eighty four in the world. You are very lucky. You said plus or minus ten. You're nine off, ninety three. Okay, there you go. Yeah, so very good. Uh, yeah, no, I mean it's it, he he's definitely doing a lot better recently but he does have by far a long way uh to go and he's lucky that he's getting all of these wild cards to be perfectly honest with you but yeah it's it's tough uh, marcus who out of the rest of the players that we see on this oh actually psych the last question is going to be this the second round matchup potentially potentially between andy murray and daniel medvedev who are you taking? Oh, I'm taking Daniil. I think Andy has no shot. I'm pretty sure Andy's going to quit Clay after this tournament. Like, this is going to be his last Clay tournament ever. He literally said so, that he's just like, I'm done with this. Uh, yeah, I'm probably with you, TBH. Also, to be honest, somebody we're overlooking in that quarter that could be upset alert for Daniil is Yuri Leheka. Not entirely sure of how to pronounce his name, but he's a baller too. He's had some really nice results, pretty big serve. So that could be another person for some for Daniil to watch out for. But on the whole, I do kind of agree with you. I think Daniil probably gets through to at least the quarters. But once he comes up against, you know, either a Fritz, I wouldn't be surprised if Kismanovic does something. Like I wouldn't be entirely surprised. Uh, once he goes up against like a Fritz, somebody like that, probably a hard stop for him, but we'll see. Um, last but not least, I guess we'll just say who we think is going to win this tournament in three, two, one, Carlos Alvarez. You can't even say his name right. (laughs) Just so disrespectful. Anyway, um, yes, we, you think Carlos, correct? Yes, obviously, yeah. All right, cool. 
yeah, so I think that is going to do it for us here. Mind Marcus's nonsense. As I mentioned, I'm looking for a new co-host. Please my, DM us my, on Instagram. Oh, come on. You were throwing out some flaming hot takes there today. Don't even start. Hey. Yeah, well, you know what? When Botek van der Sandsloop loses in the first round of this tournament. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get a check on how to pronounce win. this guy's name. I I am too, to be honest. Um, but yeah, no, it's going to be great. Anyway, um, thank you all for listening. We greatly appreciate uh, all that you've done in your support for the podcast. If you would like to be on the show, anything like that, please shoot us a DM and we will be sure to arrange something for you. We've got a fun couple of weeks coming up here with Madrid, Rome, and then leading into Roland Garros. And uh, yeah, should be a good one. So that's going to do it for us. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you guys next time. See you folks.